right. Well, this is uh, <laughs> a fun way to a fun way to get started, not knowing that we're live, but we're live. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to Mornings with Mara this morning. I appreciate the text messages reminding me that we're on um, camera and you can hear us. <laughs> so here we go. This will be recorded. So if you want to come back and listen to it on demand, you absolutely can. We'll try and cut out the front front end of the things. But today we're going to focus on agency compensation plans and you know finding a finding the right balance between revenue and benefits as well. And I want to thank I've got a few great people on the call with me today. And so I want to make sure that we introduce them here in a second. And just to remind you, we do have a Facebook page. Um, so if you want to join us there, we put out features and topics and try to have some conversations there as well. So please join us there. And I'd like to just do a quick reminder for you that on our website at IIT, we do have additional resources, especially during this coronavirus time, um, whether it's remote work solutions or E&O issues or anything like that. So please feel comfortable to make sure that you're taking advantage of those resources that we have available. So today, let's get to it. Um, I've got Carrie Wallace with me, who's the, um, she's actually the CEO of Intel Agents, which many of you have heard us talk about them. And they are a data organization that is a, um, owned by several state associations, specifically Ohio is the leader and founder of that organization. And we've been doing quite a bit of work with them. And uh, Carrie, I'll just have you say hi for a minute. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, yeah. So many of you have met Carrie before. Um, she seems to be floating around the country at different state associations, and she's been at a lot of our events as well. And we have a new face with us today. Unfortunately, her camera doesn't work, so she's the new voice from the outside <laughs> world, I guess is the best way to put it. And we have Kathleen Ranahan, who is runs her own business consulting firm, and has, she's been really great in putting this presentation together and giving us some hard data and starting to really look at compensation models for producers. Kathleen, can you give us a quick intro on yourself? Yeah, thank you so much, Merritt. I appreciate being here. So I was recently approved by Big Eye Hires uh, to partner up with them uh, from a hiring perspective. So I've worked within the agency world for almost 20 years now as a business coach and consultant, and I have a whole team of people that focus on the recruiting aspect of helping um, agencies grow. So we are ongoingly looking at compensation plans and see what really works for every agency we work with. So this is a really valuable topic and I just really appreciate being here today. Great. Thank you, Kathleen. We appreciate you putting time aside for us here in Texas. And um, today what we're going to do is we're going to cover a variety of things. One is industry trends um, that we're seeing out there from a perspective of the, the industry itself. And then we'll look at what is a compensation philosophy. Um, all the slides are available to you. So please feel comfortable if you want copies of it. And we're gonna show a spreadsheet in a little bit that I think you'll find helpful. Um, we're also gonna talk through some compensation statistics for you. Now there's gonna be a blend of information we offer today. Some of it's gonna be a sneak peek at Texas. Um, as you know, we have a compensation study open and we're trying to complete. That's one of the action items we're hoping we get done today is finish that up because we don't have enough information at this point to be statistically valid, but we're close. So if we can get everybody involved, it becomes this is one of the biggest questions we get. And yet 
not everybody wants to give us their information. So Carrie's going to talk about confidentiality and the protection of your data. So you hopefully have another level of confidence that adding your information into this would be helpful. Um, we're also going to be talking about how you transition maybe from one plan to another and how to think about things in various ways. And hopefully at the end, we'll have time for some Q&A. Most of you may drop off after that point, but if you want to stay on, Carrie's actually going to do a quick demo for us with her team on how to complete the compensation study. Or if you have questions, you can stay on and do that as well. So I think we're ready to go. So here we go. Um, just as a reminder, I mean, the insurance industry is a, a big deal, obviously, and in Texas, it's a big part of our economy. Um, you may not have realized, but Texas is actually ranked second in the U.S. for insurance employment. So we're a huge employer in this state. Um, we actually have 1,100 insurance companies in the state of Texas. And from what we can find in data, there's actually over 300,000 Texans employed in, this in, in the insurance industry. Um, Data from TDI shows that there's not, over 95,000 licensed PNC resident agents in Texas. Um, and of course, there'd be non-residents as well, I'm, I'm certain of. And it, we also talk about the total wages um, in the US for insurance agents exceeds 26 billion. So it's a huge industry that employs a lot of folks. And we also understand that our um, unemployment rate isn't huge, um, especially considering what's happening right now. There are jobs available, and we know that will continue to be the case. And so getting really clear about what your compensation philosophy and model is now so that you can be competitive and attract the right people and retain your best is really a key part, I think, of what happens in the future. I'm going to hand this over to you, Carrie, to just kind of talk a little bit about the industry here in Texas for us. Yeah. So as you said, you know, um, insurance in almost every um, every state that we're in is such a huge economic driver for um, for the entire economy. And it, the cool thing is insurance has been what most people view as being almost recession proof. So certainly in this time, it is incredibly um, fortunate to be in this industry. And I think we often um, overlook the stability and the strength of the industry that we're part of. You know, the average, um, the average person in the insurance industry in Texas earns $49,000. That includes anywhere inside the industry. Um, these are national statistics. The national average is right at 50,000, so we're right there. Um, but the unemployment rate in the insurance industry specific is only 3.9, and we know that the national average is is upwards of 14.9%. 14 14 so it has remained that way during this entire situation, which is pretty incredible. Um, the, the insurance coverage, you know, personal auto premium is uh, represents over $22.5 billion dollars. Uh, you know, new car sales is one point one and a half million. And, you know, when you think about the things that um, that our agents are covering it, in the state of Texas alone, 10 to 12 percent of all new homes are actually built in Texas. So it is a thriving um, industry that is not true in Ohio. So, you know, you guys are incredibly fortunate that you have new things happening as well that are driving um, what's happening in this industry. Premiums are also very different in our in our um, 
in our situation, it's much different. You all have the third highest in home premiums at one point, or one in one million, one point eight, and fourteenth highest in car premiums. Which you know, again, is great for insurance agents. I don't know that it's great for consumers, but it's absolutely great for insurance agents. So the headline is: it is an incredibly strong industry, and you know. We're going to talk today about compensation and attracting talent into our industry. We need to remember the strength of, uh, of the industry um, when we're talking about it. So, you know, that's really where we're headed. There are four main challenges when we think about recruiting. While today we're going to talk about compensation, it's really not the whole picture. We're going to really touch on what are the other opportunities that we have when recruiting into our industry? And one is the perception. You know, I, I, I often laugh when I meet agents for the first time. And always one of the best questions is what brought you to this industry? And typically it's family. It's, um, it's not some eight-year-old that was carrying a briefcase and said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an insurance agent. But if you think about the opportunities that are in our industry, the opportunity to own your own business, the opportunity to have a very wide variety of roles within the industry as a whole, the opportunity to actually learn about industries in a very in-depth way, which is incredibly varied. It is, you know, the whole idea that it's boring. I don't know. I challenge you to think, how bored are you in all the industries that you actually represent? And you have to know inside and out to make sure that you're providing the right coverage. But we don't really talk about all of those things. And I think we could do a better job on the perception of our industry, um, you know, and how we retain showing a showing our new people a pathway of their um, career is incredibly important because there are wide variety of things that you can do, you know, Marketing is completely different than selling insurance, which is completely different than analyzing what marketplace you want to go after. There's great opportunity here. So, again, compensation is one piece. And I would also, um, you know, I really know that we're going to talk about this today. When we talk about compensation, we also complicate it a bit. We talk about validation and we talk about all kinds of things. And today we're going to talk about how we can simplify that conversation for someone who's entering our industry to make it much less sounding like it's risky and more exciting and show them how to be successful in our industry for a very long and, and really fulfilling career. You know, that's the other thing. There's there's um. There's so much opportunity, but there's also this ability to grow your business over time in your community and be an integral in that community. So I think we, we need to remember all of these things. While, while we talk about compensation, that's really not the whole story. So one of the biggest things that's facing our industry is the talent gap. We know that um, we always talk about what the owner's age is and what that risk that creates in our industry that we're going to have many people transitioning ownership of their agency. But the reality is over half of the staff in all agencies are 53 years or older. So that means your CSRs, your producers, your administrative people, and your principals are all nearing retirement, which is creating this huge gap and a need for people to be hired into our industry. And so it's incredibly important to make be aware of that 
there's a lot of statistics out there about how many will be hired over the next period of time. And I would tell you, it is not a one for one. I think our insurance, our industry is changing and I think the roles will evolve. You're going to see more marketing roles. You're going to see some data analytics roles. You're going to see different roles. But the, but the fact of the matter is, um, talent will need to come to the insurance industry. So we need to make sure as business owners, we are prepared, we're attracting the right talent and we're creating a successful, um, you know, really thinking about all the things that attract people to our industry. Great. Thanks, Carrie. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of it. It feels like it's gotten younger um, trend wise. I think I remember those numbers looking older um, a while ago. So it is good to see that piece, which means we are infusing new talent, younger people into the industry. Um, but you're absolutely right. In fact, I was we're working on a new website here at IIT and I, I got assigned the page compensation to build that out. And my tagline on it is compensation. Money's not everything. <laughs> um, it may feel like it for some people, but in reality, when we've looked at statistics, um, employees are looking for a much broader experience than just what's my pay scale. And number one, interestingly enough, is the opportunity to learn and grow. And so how do you create that kind of environment for folks and culture, um, the interest that they have in the work, the ability to make a difference, um, embracing technology. And I think these are all things that some agencies do great and are focused on and others who aren't. Um, and especially, I think, this COVID-19 situation has proven that we can be much more nimble and much more remote and virtual than we ever thought we could be. And so I, the agencies that are adopting even remote work as a benefit to their high performers that are looking for that, um, I think is a great um, experience to do. Now, I, I would not say, <laughs> let's make sure you're always remote. I think there's definitely synergy you miss. Uh, in fact, I did a webinar, I think a few months ago with somebody and we kind of talked about the biggest thing you miss by not being together is innovation. Because when you do meet, it's usually tactical and it's practical things that you're doing. But on the on the left here, you know, it says 64% of millennials say they wouldn't take a job if the company didn't practice corporate responsibility. And 88% say the job is more fulfilling when employers provide opportunities for them to make a positive impact. And one thing that's really always attracted me to the independent insurance industry is everything you all do in your communities. And I don't think we do a good enough job when we're talking to our um, in prospect and prospective employees about how they can make an impact in their community and how you can support that and give them that, that experience when they come to work. So one of the key things that we talk about is let's make sure you do have a um, compensation philosophy in place. And if you ask me why do you have to have one, the simplest answer, as far as I'm concerned, is so that your decisions about compensation are no longer emotional. Um, because very oftentimes it becomes a, well, should I get a raise? Well, it's when they ask enough times or, you know, organizations who, when should I give somebody a raise? What do jobs um, yield from a standpoint of in the marketplace? And one of the things we're going to talk about with this compensation study we're doing right now, it's very hard to compare what's happening even regionally across the Southwest because you'll end up with Louisiana data and Oklahoma data versus nationwide. Um, and if we do this right and have enough information, we can actually drill down into your region. 
um, wh whether you're rural or urban, and get some meaningful context that can help you make decisions. So what is a compensation philosophy? Simply, it, it helps you formalize you know, what your position is when it comes to compensation. Um, you wanna do it so that people understand you know, the framework and there's consistency. This is where it's equitable versus equal. What are your models for it? And you wanna make sure it's aligned with your strategic outlook, your business goals, what you can afford your compensation, and I always talk about making sure that it's a pay for performance um, situation as well, so you're rewarding people for doing really great work. Um, at the end of the day, when I think about what it helps us with, is I think it helps us attract people to join the organization. Um, you know, for instance, when you think about bonuses, it, it always hurts my heart a little bit when people do even like profit sharing or bonuses with their staff. And it's just something that gets thrown into their paycheck once a quarter. And nobody even talks about what you did to deserve it. And it's a real miss because it's not something that you can either tie to try to increase and deliver performance. And it just becomes a, a uh, entitlement that people build into, well, I expect to have that much money, so it's part of my world, as opposed to making sure that the, your high performers um, are really given additional uh, reward and bonus structures to make sure that you keep them and, and it's an exciting place to be. So I really do ha would say, in fact, for us even, when we do bonuses, it may be a little bit hard if we can't see each other, but usually we'll actually issue a hard check and hand it to somebody. So nobody ever gets just an additional pay in their payroll, direct deposit. It's always a conversation and an acknowledgement and why it's important what they did and the impact they had on the organization overall. Um, when you think about a compensation philosophy, I think it needs to be taken from a holistic perspective. So very oftentimes we end up focusing mostly on this thing on the left, which is what's your base pay and bonus opportunity. But in reality, your entire compensation model and philosophy should incorporate all of these four areas. So you're able to sit down and say, look, here's the whole infrastructure of what our compensation looks like. And it includes career development, learning opportunities and succession planning and benefits. Um, which can go from your medical, dental, vision, insurance, retirement, time off, those kinds of pieces. Um, and don't forget to talk about the work environment. As you saw earlier, culture is a big piece. And sometimes our smaller agencies will say, well, how can I compete with a large agency who can pay higher dollars? Well, your benefit may be we have a nimble culture. We have an informal culture. We have more freedom to, to have an impact on the decisions and the direction of the organization which may be much more important and worth $5,000 um, as opposed to being put into a sort of corporate America. So it's, it's always understanding what that is. And, and when we went through this process, we wanted to sit down and talk about, you know, are we going to lead the market essentially and be in each one of those categories or are we going to match the market or are we going to lag the market? And it's okay to do whichever ones, you just have to be purposeful about it. So for instance, we may say, look, we're going to match the market on pay because that's what we can afford. We're a nonprofit. We're not going to lead the market. We don't, we don't want to attract people who want to come and get paid billions of dollars, but I'm going to give you a lead the market culture and a lead the market benefits, and you, you'll also have opportunities for growth. 
Um, it's important to align that to your culture, and I'll give you an example why. I could have somebody come to me and say, hey, Marit, just pay me extra. I want as high as I can get paid. I'll work 80 hours a week for you. Don't worry about it. Well, if our culture is really 40 to 50, <laughs> and then I have some driver who comes in who's really pushing it, they'll never get along and, and they'll create a toxic work environment for the culture that we have. So you wanna attract people who believe in your philosophies and can support it and, and make a difference. So important to, I'm just gonna go back for a minute, take these four areas and decide where you fit. Are you gonna match? Are you gonna lead? Or are you gonna lag the market from that standpoint? And then just remember that you have to take your own organization into consideration. Um, and this is where you may be able to say, maybe I can't afford the most, but gee, I'm going to give people more time off or more freedom, which isn't actually a dollar amount um, because it, it may be based on I've got high performers. So you have to be creative from the perspective of thinking for your own organization what makes sense. So, um, at, you know, really just expanding on that, we've also recognized that there's tons of information in the marketplace that are national numbers. And when you do that, it's really difficult to take action because it's not relatable to your marketplace, your um, your um, specific organization. And so as we move through this, you know, Marit said that we have a salary survey that's in place right now. That's building the benchmarks in an area that's incredibly important um, in your marketplace, because if we try to use salary information that is not relevant to Texas, you, you truly are not making good business decisions about what makes you competitive in your marketplace and how you're going to weigh all of those things. Beyond that, we actually look at regionally across Texas. So as we think about the other benchmarks that we're building through the RISE report, through the, through the compensation and benefits, we take a look at what does it look like regionally? And then what does it look like by the size of the agency? So you can see for the data that we have right now, 54% of the agencies that we have data on in the state of Texas have 2.5 million in premium or less. So that's where the majority of the size of agencies are in the state of Texas. 15% are two and a half to five million in premium, 13 are at five to 10. So again, all of these Agencies are going to have different resources. They're going to have different approaches. Um, and we're trying to give benchmarks that really speak to what makes sense in the overall Texas marketplace, what makes sense regionally, what makes sense for your size of agency. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to show you what growth factors come into it and, and what that looks and feels like. So as we're building these, the whole idea is make them relatable and actionable so you can make great business decisions, not only about compensation, but about many things within your agency. So with that, you know, here's what you can expect. Obviously, Ohio started this benchmarking program where we mined the information in order to bring our agents some insights to start driving these decisions. Compensation, no different. Super important here is probably the most sought out information that we could bring. So we currently have about 35% penetration where we know what the compensation looks like in the state of Ohio. We're about two years into this. Um, the goal is to get anywhere between 15 and 20% to be statistically valid. Um, and, and that's what we're driving towards in the compensation study that we have launched right now. So, Carrie, yeah. 
Right now, I think we're like seven or eight percent is where we're at. So we really have to double up. And so yes. everybody who's on this call, if you haven't done the compensation study and put your data in, every person matters at this point. Uh, and our goal is by the end of the month that all that data will be collected and then we can actually deliver a, a statistically valid report and then continue to build on it year and year year over year because when did you do your first was it almost two years ago that you did the Ohio one it is we launched it um, at the beginning of 2018 okay. so we, and then we've done it every year since then so we continue to build and then also the rise report makes that um, benchmark even stronger every time someone fills out their profile they add to um, that benchmark yep. yep great thank you yep so this is this is what we're able to tell Ohio agents that you know in our marketplace these are just generalities it goes more specific by region and then by growth agencies but in general our principals typically make between 128,000 and 165. Our producers are much lower than you all. We're somewhere between 68 and 78 on average. Our CSR is anywhere between 40 and 46. And administrative includes several roles within the agency. I think she might have froze. Oh, can you not hear me? Oh, no. No, I think it, we can, I can hear you. I think it's just Mara. Oh, okay. You're so administrative roles includes um, several different roles, which will continue to be built out. But um, on average, the Ohio average Ohioan makes um, much higher than the average annual salary of 50,000. We're at 77,000. But again, that represents people who are working in carriers, underwriters, agencies, many different people. I don't know if she can advance the slide for me, but we then have Texas um, compensation statistics where so far with what we know in Texas, the um, the um, the principals typically are right around $148,000 right now. So again, we don't have statistically valid, but the preliminary numbers are showing principals are right around $148,000, producers are right around $80,000, CSR is right around $44,000, and administrative is $49,000. Um, again, the, the more information we get, the stronger this will be. We'll be able to give ranges and show you what the 90 percentile is, what the 75 percentile is, what it looks like in different regions, what does it look like in a growth agency versus someone who's flat or declining. All of those things uh, really make a lot of difference. But in order to do that, it has to be statistically valid because every time you slice this information into smaller segments, um, it loses its validity if we don't start with something that's statistically valid. So again, in order to be able to deliver the same kind of insights we have in our marketplace, it requires participation. The other point that I want to um, I want to make before we move on is we can also really help an agency know what kind of resources to put towards compensation overall in your agency. So again, based on your size, it could be anywhere between 48% and 51%. And then what does that look like with the roles within your agency? You can start doing some business planning and, you know, while our people are our biggest asset, they set our culture, they are absolutely incredibly important, they're also our biggest expense, and we need to make sure that we're utilizing those resources the right way, putting them to use, and, um, and really allocating the right resources to that area. Here is 
um, an insight that we were able to create. So we looked at all of our agencies and said, who are those agencies that are experiencing steady growth? They're anywhere growing between 0% and 10%. Who are those that are fastest growing, which means over the last three years, they've hit a, a really high stride. And who are those that are heavy growth that are actually much higher, you know, anywhere between above 10% growth um, over the last five years. So this looks at their growth and then what is the trend with how they're compensating, particularly their producers. So are they paying base only? Or are they paying commission only? Or are they paying a combination of base and commission? And you can see for those that are steady growth, um, they're, they're typically um, 60% base only, 11 are commission only, and 29 have a combination. But in heavy growth, you can see 53% are commission only. So they are heavily incented to produce business. And it really is, there's a correlation between their performance and the compensation packages that are there. So we are able to, to really help drive what is the right compensation package for what you're trying to do. Back to what Marit said, it's really about what are you trying to drive in your agency? What are you trying to do? And how are you utilizing your resources in the best way in order to drive that performance? We did the same kind of look with the CSRs. Well, um, you know, typically this compensation is base or base plus bonus. Again, in your fastest growth, um, you can see a heavier emphasis on bonus, uh, whereas overall, you know, steady growth, there's a much less and there's just base. So again, think about how you're incenting, what are you rewarding, what are you measuring, and what are you communicating inside your agency. It's really not just the dollars, it's about the goals you put in front of people, the way you're, um, you, the way you're incenting people and actually making them aware of where their performance is as well. So, you know, I, I do want to stress compensation is one piece of the puzzle, but is an incredibly important piece because it's a it's really big resource that we're utilizing. Gary, um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. I think I disappeared for a while. Luckily, people were texting me, hey, change the slide. <laughs> I love this technology thing. Anyway, the, the one comment I will make is if you're looking at trying to move into that more aggressive at-risk salary piece, you really want to be careful about how you go about that from a yes. culture standpoint and the conversations you have. In fact, one agency that I worked with that they were trying to shift their CSRs from being 100% salary to more of that 70-30 mix of base and bonus, um, they, we really had to spend a couple years showing them this is what you would have gotten paid if we had flipped to that. This, so we froze everybody so that because as soon as people think money is going to get touched, they won't focus on the work at hand. They freak. <laughs> so you have to get people comfortable with it to the point that they see what that would look like and it takes it doesn't happen overnight it takes a while and it's one of those things I say please do not do this without adult supervision because you can really screw up your staff especially good employees if they're not wired to be that way and you know I would also add it also could be a guide for what you do with new hires to move in that direction 
and then also show a side by side with your current staff to say, hey, listen, if we moved, this is what it would look and feel like over time. So they get comfortable and know that it's something that's actually benefiting them. So yep. I, I couldn't agree more. It's not like one day you wake up and say, you know what? My compensation structure is wrong. I'm going to I'm going to turn it on its head and we're going to call it day. That's not how this works. So yep. this is really about giving ideas about how to move in the right direction and make those decisions. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So. Um, we all know that one of the biggest things are, tell me, what do people pay for commissions for new business and renewal business, both in personal lines and commercial lines? Probably one of the most frequently asked questions. And the answer is, it depends. It depends on the size of the agency. It depends on what they're trying to do inside their agency um, and what the agency really could support. So these are what the averages are that you know we know that are from doing these compensations, but I, I can tell you, we surveyed a group of agents and it based on the size of the agency, these answers change significantly. And, you know, I don't know if that's because that's what their structure was and that's what they've always had, or they really don't know what their structure could support, but we're about trying to help agents make the best decisions and move in the right direction, especially in these areas. So you can expect that this is what um, the commission rates, commission structures look like. This will really feed into the examples that both Kathleen and Marit are gonna walk you through, but here's what the industry standards are at, at this exact time. So I think you guys are gonna walk through some examples now. Yeah, I think Kathleen, you're gonna jump in and talk about um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and then also talk about some specific examples of compensation. So we're sorry we can't see you, but I'm sure we'll be able to hear you just fine. Yeah, thanks Thanks so much. So yeah, this information does come from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And, and the reason we're really sharing this information is to give you an overview of um, the, basically the median uh, as well as the low and the highs for the state of Texas. But Interestingly, look at all the different demographics and how that compensation changes. This is specifically for a sales agent within your industry. So we can look at the average comp of 49.520, but if we look at Corpus Christi, it drops to 31.7. If we look at Dallas-Fort Worth, it's 69.140. So there's a vast difference when we talk about demographics, which is really a crucial piece here that we have to pay attention to. Not, not only the size of the agency and what the agency can absorb, but, but also your demographic um, has a lot to do with how do you structure uh, compensation plans that, that people can really, um, that appeal to them and that they can live with. So I want to show you a little bit of a breakdown of the way I really talk to the agents that I work with. Um, this is just with regard to structuring a compensation plan for someone on the personal line side of your business. Um, just using a median comp of 51720 on the left-hand side here. So let's say that's the number we want to get to. So if we structure a, a base uh, comp, I just had uh, something pop up here. Uh, there we go. Base comp of 
39, roughly close to 40. So we need to structure an, uh, close to uh, $12,000 in, in additional comp. So how do we get there? So let's just say our average sale is uh, one car and a home and, and the average is $3,000. I'm using a 12% agency commission. Obviously it could be 14%, but I'm, I'm just using across the board some averages here. So, so you're generating $360 as the agent when that transaction happens. So we really need to look at break even. And as we know in business, break even is not it. We need to drive a profit. But what's important here is you really wanna know and understand what you need to generate, what that personal lines sales producer needs to generate in order to break even. At, at this particular um, level of compensation. So they need to make 111 sales a year. It's gonna generate $333,000, 12% commission is gonna uh, generate that 39.6. So if we look to the right here, we could see that we have to structure a goal for this person. So if we structure the goal at 15 sales a month, at $3,000 per transaction, we're generating 45,000. A break even is 9.25 sales at 3,000, just to cover the base. Commission needs to be paid after 11.25 sales, because we need to take that break even of 9.25 and say, what does it cost me to turn on the lights and drive a profit? That person has to, put more money in the bank in order for us to do that. So I hope that makes sense to everybody. So on, on the additional 11,250, um, a monthly bonus could be earned of 1125. So that total base of 39.6 and the monthly commission gets us somewhere around 43.6. So here's the positive impact on the bottom for the agency. So 540,000 and new yearly revenue generates 64.8 for the agency in commissions with 15 monthly sales basically 53.4 is paid to that employee and 11.3 is available to support operations and drive your profit so i'm going to go through another example but i do want to say before i move on i think what's really crucial here is what i noticed that most of the population the people on your team really don't understand the how the business really functions. They think if you do a $3,000 sale that you, Mr. Agent, run to the bank and put $3,000 in your bank account. They absolutely need to know that you're earning roughly 12 or 14% of that compensation. So the $1,000 sale equals $120 or $140. That's a lot of transactions to get somebody to the point of break even. I, there's a beautiful book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. And he really talks about sharing information with people because information is power. So the more people have the more information available, then the more they can understand the functioning of the business and how they bring value to you. So here's just another example of customer service uh, rep. Let's say we're, we're working towards a $35,000 um, compensation. A break even is 292 sales um, in order for us to achieve that. 
So we have to structure a goal. We say 10 sales a week because five is break even. So there is a bonus that could be paid after seven sales because seven is going to help us put the lights on and, and, and drive a profit. So that employee then becomes rewarded for the 12 additional sales for the month. So 12,000 in additional revenue, the monthly bonus of 20%, let's say earned is $288 on the right-hand side. And then the total base and bonus and yearly commission gets that person to 38.9. So you can see the agency positive impact here, 520,000 in new revenue is generated with 10 weekly sales, 38.496 is paid to the employee and you have 23940 to support your operations and drive your profitability. So the other point I wanna make here, and Carrie and Merritt have, have talked to, about it throughout this presentation, you know, when you are communicating with people and sharing information that they can really connect with, it, it really makes them feel like they're involved in the business and they can make better business decisions. It is really about the culture, creating a culture that says, I'm giving you information, I'm providing feedback to you. But there's two other things that I just wanna point out before we move on, and that is creating an environment where you know that there's absolutely two things that motivate all people. One is a sense of achievement, and the second one is recognition. So if I find that we're really kind of cheap with our recognition. So if we can celebrate all the victories along the way, as this person puts their new sales in the pipeline for the week, if the, if the goal is 10 and, and they're at five, we're going to celebrate five. Five is going to be an encouraging point because it's going to help them get to six and eight and 10. So just remember, those two things will motivate all people celebrating the victories, i.e. a sense of achievement and recognition. Great, thank you, Kathleen. I, I like this because I think we do sometimes think, well, what do we need to make, you know, for a producer in order to be um, profitable, and yet we're not really baking in the burden that organizations have to actually produce. And, you know, I do find it interesting sometimes when I'm working with, with groups and the producers will say, well, I, I want additional value-added services given to us like claims management or loss control services and so forth and the, the the they get frustrated when the owners aren't willing to put that in or they come back and say well that'll we're gonna have to take two percent off your commissions in order to fund it um, that those are decisions business owners have to make if you're gonna add value-added services we actually have a spreadsheet and if you're interested in this I'm happy to send it over to you I'm not going to go through it in a lot of detail today but we do have a worksheet that you can use for instance for new producers where you can actually put in the new business goal so in this scenario and I think every producer should have one by the way <laughs> it's a great business planning tool um, because it helps drive not only what's the results you're looking for but what is the activity required to do that and we know that people can have great results without doing a ton of activity, but it will catch up with them eventually in their pipeline. So we wanna make sure producers are doing both the activity as well as seeing results. And if they're doing the activity, if they have a dry spell, as long as they're good, they'll probably be okay. But in this scenario, we would say potentially the new business goal, and this is revenue, not premium, obviously. The new business goal is 50,000 in, in agency commission, so to speak. 
um, if the target average account size was $1,000, then you would need 50 accounts to write. So all these numbers can actually go in and you can change them. <laughs> so obviously, you know, it, what that would translate to if you were a $2,000 average account size, it would look very different. Or if it was a $5,000 account size, it might look very different. But this is where I think it's important to know your data. So you'd have to understand what's your close ratio from the time you present a proposal, how many of those get closed. So you'd put that commission or put that close ratio in. Then you'd say, okay, well, of, of the number of appointments I have, how many opportunities do I get to present a proposal? And then that backs into a monthly number and then it becomes weekly. And then it, it tells you of the number of contacts you make, how many actually result in an appointment. So we will send this out after with a, with a thank you for attending it, but it's a great resource to provide your producers. And I mean, the kicker is this, if the close ratios are good, that helps. If you can drive up your target average account size, suddenly the activity doesn't look, and I this is when I look at quantity, quality versus quantity. Um, and, and I'm gonna show you an example of working with an agency on what that's done from a standpoint of freeing up a producer. Here's actually an, uh, the same spreadsheet, it's lower in it. Um, and it also talks about, look, I'm an established producer. So let's say we wanna grow at 15%. Um, their commission ending the year was 300,000. So it, it calculates it for you. It says, well, that means that you have to end the year with 345. Then we'll put in an attrition rate. So let's assume we're gonna lose 10, maybe you lose 15% of your accounts a year. So you'd put that in. Are you gonna take rate this year or not? That helps to understand that. Then it does a net for you, which tells you in this scenario to grow 50%, you would have to write $64,200 to do that based on a, a an account size of a thousand. What does that look like? And it drills it down and so forth. So I hope this makes sense from a standpoint of a utilization tool, but it's a great planning tool from a standpoint of drilling you down all the way down to what do I have to do at a, a weekly activity level that compounds to a monthly. And frankly, you can change it. Let's say you missed your goals for two months. Well, then you tighten it up. I've only got eight months to get this done. So there's ways to kind of interact with this and so forth. There's an agency that, that I've worked with a few agencies on actually doing a book of business analysis. Um, but let me show you an example of basically this agent from 2014 to 2020. When I first started working with him, um, he had about 400 accounts. You can see those um, there. 5% of the accounts, which is 20, represented 50% of the revenue when he had a total of $300,000 revenue. Um, as you can imagine, that's a lot of work to be doing. <laughs> and look at this, and this is the hard part. Look at 80, 80 clients that he had, 20% of his business was generating literally zero. Um, and so we started to offload, move it into a small business unit, make them house accounts, um, maybe transition some of the larger ones to um, other agents. And, and now we're at a point where he has about 200 accounts. It's generating quite a bit more and you can see that his use of time is so much better. Um, but I know agencies that get really good at doing this offload every year, it's part of their culture. This doesn't happen overnight either. <laughs> um, agents like to hold on to their accounts and we also believe one day it's gonna be huge. <laughs> so why would I ever let it go? I know this one's gonna be a granddaddy sometime. So it, it really is getting critical about 
helping free up your producers so they have time to sell and they're not busy doing the service work um, when really it's generating very little income for the organization overall. So here's sort of the results for him is, you know, at the end of the day, um, not only did we grow 53% in that time, but his average account size increased considerably because he started focusing on a much different num size account and out growing more towards those A size accounts um, and then had 55% less. And what that really meant is that at the end of the day, the agency was paying 15,000 less a year in commissions on that book of business that he had originally that went into the service staff and developing sort of that house account piece as well. So really critical to think about as you do this. And, and before I get off this point, when you are hiring producers, I do think we make it very, very complicated. And Carrie alluded to it at the very beginning of the presentation. My theory, this is my theory. <laughs> my theory is, is that if you're hiring somebody right out of college or new, and you sit down and talk to them about well, here's the draw and here's the complication of the commissions and this is how we transition down and eventually you look like this. Um, it sounds really risky and complicated and most of them would go home and I'm sure their parents would be like, are you kidding me? Why don't you just go over there where you can make 40,000 or 50,000 a year and it's, it's stable. So my, my recommendation is stop trying to make it complicated. The reality is, is that if they aren't selling, you're not going to keep them anyway. <laughs> So put them on a two-year plan. This is the salary, and hopefully one day we'll put you on bonuses and you'll have opportunities to grow, and that's the concept. Instead of getting caught up in the, the technical um, side of describing all the commission models, I mean, you can wow them with what the potential is one day, but in the beginning of their career, you want them focused, steady, and being rewarded for the activity and driving business into the organization. So we are, as we mentioned, um, trying to complete this compensation survey. Um, we've had it open for a while. We'd really like to get it done and deliver a product to all of you. So there is this um, link that you can go to. Eventually, we'll be doing the RISE report, which is a greater report that we'll share with you as we go. Um, but I hope you'll take the time. And today, if you do want to stay on in a few minutes, Carrie and Donnie are going to do a demo so they can actually walk it through with you from that perspective. And we, we have a few minutes, so I will pause for a second and see, Matt, did any questions come in? Or if anybody does have a question, wants to chat it in, I think we're happy to answer questions here. Uh, yeah, can you hear me, Mart? Yes, I can. Let's see. Uh, one of the questions is, well, first, people are looking forward to receiving the link to the uh, worksheet, so we will okay. follow up with the email with that. Um, one of the questions is, curious if any data was collected about trends in terms of producer commission-only structure. Is traditional new renewal splits like 40-30 still the norm, or with all the recent M&A activity by larger national groups, is it more common now to see a set percentage plus kicker on growth, like 30% new and renewal plus 10 to 15% on all growth? So are you, I'm assuming he's asking me in the salary survey, are we asking for that? Yeah. We are asking what is a base pay? What is your commission? What is the bonus amount? And from that, we can calculate what those percentages are. So um, we try to be very, very um, 
cautious of the number of questions that we ask so we can get agents to fill out the survey and provide us with information that we can utilize. Got a lot of feedback that um, agents do not want this to be long and involved. Um, so the answer is we, um, we can calculate what that is based on the information that, um, that we've asked. We are not doing it right now between personal lines and commercial lines or new and renewal because every time you ask that, it is um, multiplied by the number of people in your agency and becomes incredibly unwieldy to answer that question. So you can anticipate we build the benchmark and then we build from there so it's not so overwhelming to fill out a survey. Um, that's really our answer. Is 4030 generally a ballpark that you it are is. seeing still? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so the, the percentages that we put in here are the ballparks, and we did break that by commercial lines, personal lines, new and renewal. Um, I will tell you that there are um, trends of taking uh, a look at the holistic view and what overall growth is in an agency, but that is, um, I would say, still the exception, not the norm. Um, the structures that we run into are really what is the commission new and renewal commercial lines, new and renewal personal lines. Um, that's still what we see 80% of the time. Okay, great. Anything yeah, got, else, Matt? Yeah, we got a question from Andy Rice. Thoughts on paying personal lines inside sales producers for renewals? I've seen many agents that swear both ways, pay renewal comp or pay for the new business only. Uh, my thought would be, Again, what are you trying to incent? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to make sure, are you focused on retention? Are you focused really heavily on new business and make sure that your plan incents your people to focus where you want them to focus their time? I would also say, look and make sure that you are doing an analysis of your book. Like Marit talked about, I've worked with several agencies where they're interested um, in creating house accounts which gets your service people engaged and able to be bonus on that work and gets your people who can produce new business focused on where they need to be as well. So I, again, I think the structure needs to make sense overall, what you're trying to drive in your agency. Yeah, one of the things that I always talk about is whenever you put goals in place that are reward, think about what the unintended consequences are. You know, you only focus on new. Do they stop paying attention to the current clientele and then new business doesn't matter because you're just trying to fill up the pipeline. So to your point, it really is what are you trying to accomplish? And then I always think about, you know, I kind of put the naughty third, seventh grader hat on. What would I do <laughs> to get this and still have to do the least amount of work? Um, so th that's the concept. I was always think about unintended consequences. Yeah, and I would also say there's a way to run those scenarios to make sure that it's also right for the agency. When you are contemplating something like that, it's important to make sure um, it's sustainable, you know, for everyone involved, um, inclu including the agency as a whole. So, yeah. Good. These are great questions. Yeah. Matt, yeah. anything else right now? Or are um, we good? We're good. A couple of people did wonder if we were going to uh, have a recording of this, and we are, and we'll send the link to that in the follow-up email as well. Yes, including the handout that we have. So we'll make sure you get that as well. So um, Kathleen, thank you very much for your time and giving us some insights. I always think about your stuff of taking a P&L and turning it upside down is what you said one time. Right. And so, yeah. 
Yeah, we need to make sure that we're driving the profit, that we're not giving away, um, you know, all all of our money to to the payroll line. And yeah. it happens so many times that, that people are basically paid and then they're double paid and they're really not earning their way to the compensation. So, yeah. you know, we have to pay attention to the to the profitability of the agency. Great. Well, thank you for your time. I, I jotted down those notes. I like that environment, a sense, create a sense of achievement and make sure that you're recognizing people and, and everyone has different triggers. So making sure what motivates people for sure. As we wrap up, I just want to, we're going to do a special mornings with Mara next week, which I'm terribly excited about. Um, it's going to be a survival guide for parents. So this is not a leadership um, presentation, but if you are a parent and you have kids at home, whether they're working remotely for school or they're going to stay at go to school, um, we're going to introduce Colby for kids. Basically, um, many of you have heard me talk about Colby, but there is a student aptitude assessment that is really powerful in helping give your kids and parents tips and tricks for how to work with each other and take the anxiety out of things and create less conflict at home. So I, I hope you'll pass that along. We'll share that information. I hope you'll register. And with that, Kathleen and I are gonna bounce out of here and um, Carrie and Donnie are gonna take over. And thank you so much for joining us today for Mornings with Marit. The rest of this will be a demo on how to fill out the compensation survey. And I'm hoping if I close out, I don't end the webinar. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Well, have a great you, day, Mark. everyone. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank Carrie, you. Carrie, you're in charge. Okay, I can, I've got this.